time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. Thanks for taking time out to join us for another edition of the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. I'm Walter Storholtz alongside Glenn Mosseller. He is a registered financial consultant and the founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting in Greensboro on Mears Chapel Road. You can always find us online at greensbororetirement.com. Glenn, you all set for another great podcast today? I am, Walter. Hope you are. Let's uh, have a good conversation. I think it's going to be a good one because this is one of our favorite editions of the show. We're going to call today's show, I Was Wondering. And we're going to cover a couple of different topics all in one show, which is why I like this, because we can kind of hit different areas of the financial and retirement planning world. So we're going to cover some of the most common questions that you get asked about retirement and about financial stuff, Glenn, if we can go with a really technical term. And we're going to kind of pose them in high hypothetical scenarios just to make it hit home even a little bit closer. All right. So let's pretend I'm, you know, somebody planning for retirement on this first example. And Glenn, I was wondering, I'm constantly waffling between wanting to protect my money with safer investments and wanting to get as much growth as I can. Which do you prefer? Which should I do? And let's just say for the sake of fun, I'm uh, turning 60 next month. That kind of gives you an idea of where I am in proximity to retirement. Sure. Well, Walter, I mean, I I guess what I would want to know is I'd want to gather a little bit more information because if I just jump right into saying, well, you should do this, then then it's just like a one size fits all. I do know that you have some investments that you want to protect, but you're also looking to have some more growth. So it seems like you may be thinking that you maybe don't have quite enough save for retirement. The other thing I know is that you're 60 years older, you're getting ready to turn 60. So that's an interesting piece of information to have. However, I don't know if you're married, number one, but number two, I don't know exactly when you and or when your spouse is planning on retiring, taking social security and all of those things. So it really depends on a lot of factors that we need to think about. But what I would, I guess, say is that, you know, in general, I always try to move away from the only answer, meaning that it's like you've got to go this direction or that direction. There are times that that's the case. Um, It tends to be a little bit more when you're younger because when you're actually moving into retirement, you want to have a little bit more flexibility. You know, what I'm trying to suggest is that it doesn't necessarily have to be, oh, well, I'm going to move all my money to safety or no, I'm just going to leave all my money exposed to, you know, trying to get as much return as I possibly can, which obviously then brings upon more risk. It might be this and where we do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then to know exactly what the right mix is, again, we would want to know, well, when are you planning to retire? retire? You know, do you have a pension? You know, are you, have you thought about when to turn on social security? Do you have a spouse? And if so, you know, when are they going to retire or have they already retired? There's some factors there that we would want to know, but I guess where we're really going, Walter is, is that we would want to look at that question in the context of who you are, what you're looking to achieve, and also what your time horizons are. And you might actually have a little bit more uh, than one time horizon. You might have some money that we want to think in terms of you know, shorter time frames and other monies that we're going to think in terms of longer time frames. And when we start thinking about that, well, maybe we could take a little bit more of an attitude that, hey, I'm going to go for more growth, particularly if it's longer term money that might go out there 10 or more years, and maybe take a little bit 
more of a conservative approach with some shorter term money. Does that make sense, Walter? Makes a lot of sense, Glenn. I think it's a question that a lot of people have. That waffling, I think, is such a key word there because that's the feeling that so many people take into the equation is I'm waffling between safety and growth. And right. that's, that's a well-aged story there, one that's been told many times. Well, and that's too, Walter. I mean, thinking about that waffling, I mean, that waffling comes, I think, out of being in the question of, well, what do I do? And the what do I do leads me to understand that there probably hasn't been some of those questions that we were just talking about. Well, what is your time horizon? What are your other resources? Where are you going to be drawing income from? You know, if you've gone through a planning process and you've really started to answer some of those questions, then, you know, that waffling tends to go away because you you kind of know what direction you're moving in. And so, you know, someone who's asking these questions probably needs to sit down, you know, with either myself or somebody who does more of that holistic look and say, what do I need to do next? It's more about the plan than it is about, you know, where you're going to put a particular account because that account needs to be put somewhere or maybe in multiple places. But it really, you know, to answer what to do, we need to really look at the whole retirement plan and context rather than just where do I put my money? You know what I mean? It just it kind of lends itself to, hey, I'm wondering about, well, let's ask these questions so we can stop wondering and start moving forward with a plan. Here's another great question, Glenn. You know, I was wondering, as I assume another role here, let's say that a family member from another state told me that I need to make sure I find a fiduciary financial advisor to help me plan my retirement. But he couldn't tell me how to identify ones that are indeed fiduciary, just that that was the magic word that I needed to find. Is there a certain designation or do financial advisors wear, you know, some sort of fiduciary badge to help identify themselves? Well, there are, Walter. I mean, there's certain licensing, you know, I mean, if you're working as a registered investment advisor or, you know, a representative for a registered investment advisor, that automatically, you know, makes you a fiduciary. And basically, the idea of a fiduciary simply means that that, that advisor is going to be working in your best interest. They're not committed to one particular financial institution. They're, you know, what their solutions are and what they're going to recommend is going to be you know, what is right for the client. You know, now there are some designations. I actually, you know, over the last year, you know, with all of the, you know, the DOL and, you know, the Department of Labor and that word fiduciary has come up a lot, you know, in the conversation around, you know, well, retirement planning and, and that kind of thing. You know, one of the designations that I have is a certified financial fiduciary. You know, I've decided to take it up a little bit you know, another notch and say, you know, hey, I already know that I'm a fiduciary by my licensing, but to really, you know, try to set myself apart so folks really know, hey, you know, this person really is taking it seriously and is, you know, has gone to some advanced study to make sure that everything that is there within the law about how do you do the what's in the best interest. There's always going to be some, you know, inherent conflicts, uh, you know, that come up when you're you know, recommending certain things. But, you know, you have to know where those boundaries are and what your disclosures need to be to your clients and so forth as to, okay, well, you know, if we're going to look to here and we're going to be holistic, there's going to be times when we might lean towards the investment side. Or there might be times when we need to lean a little bit over here towards the insurance side. And so, you know, folks, 
folks need to know and understand, well, if we put in into place an insurance solution, well, what does that mean not only to me as a retiree, but also, you know, how are you going to be compensated for that as an advisor? Or on the other side, if we go towards investments, well, how are you going to be compensated? I don't think anybody has a problem with their advisor getting paid, just that, you know, they want to have a be full disclosure. And that's something that a fiduciary is required to do. And really, all advisors should do, I, at least in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good point, Glenn. I think a lot of people just don't realize the importance of having that fiduciary label, if you want to call it that, but that responsibility, most certainly, from your advisor. Just very, very important. All right, let me assume another role here, Glenn. Let's say that I saw, you know, I'm big into social media. I saw an ad on Facebook for a company that will teach me how to pick winning stocks. Sounds like a fun hobby to have after retirement, but I'd be lying if I said maybe, I don't know, I was a little nervous about controlling my own retirement future with just a few clicks of a mouse. Do you help your clients pick stocks like this company that uh, I saw online? Well, Walter, that's not something that I do, right? I mean, that's something that I would say that if someone has some extra money and they and I would call it like mad money where it's like, okay, I'm you know, I'm willing to put something at risk when I'm gonna pick these individual stocks or maybe, you know, read a newsletter that's doing that kind of thing and saying, Oh, you know, hey, here's the reasons why we think this company could do this or that company could do that. You know, well that's you know, can be interesting and like you say, it can be a hobby or if you were really interested and you wanted to, you know, segment off, you know, a small piece of your portfolio to do that with, that would be a personal choice and certainly would be part of the, you know, the process that, you know, we can look at and say, you know, hey, do you have enough resources that you could carve off a piece to do that? But typically, you know, when we're looking at retirement and retirement planning and making sure that the income is going to be there and that the things last, the last thing we want to be doing is trying to pick the next hot thing, you know, and because that's not really a plan, you know, it's something that could pay off, but could also go in the other direction. And then that could really throw the plan off. So, you know, we really have to, again, put it in context. What are we looking to do and looking to achieve? You know, maybe if you're younger and you have, you know, a little bit of of inclination to go that direction, or if you're, as I say, if you're maybe a little older and you're approaching retirement, if you've got a little extra resources, maybe you can have like a mad money account, so to speak, where you can just kind of do do what you want to do there, but still don't let that um, get in the way of your overall plan and your overall retirement. Those are wise words, certainly, I think. All right, Glenn, I was wondering, one more final question for you. Let's say I'm a little hesitant, so I was feeling a little risky, a little bit like a gambler wanting to do some stock picking in the last question. Let's go the other direction. Let's say I'm a little hesitant now is the emotion I'm feeling, and I don't want to pay off my house because I don't really have any other tax deductions at this point to utilize, but I do have $100,000 in the bank. I only owe, let's say, $25,000 on the house, so it's tempting to just go ahead and be done with that debt and pay it off. But again, I don't have any other tax deductions, so I kind of feel like maybe I should keep it in play. What are your thoughts on evaluating a decision like that? Well, Walter, I mean, it's an important decision. You know, I mean, typically, you know, the thing is, you got to remember, it's like if you take that money out of your account and you put it into your house, you know, and certainly then that payment would go away. And that's a positive thing. You know, on the other hand, you know, when you start looking at that, it's like, well, you know, if you're either at retirement or already in retirement and you've got just $25,000 left on your mortgage, the odds are, I mean, you'd have to do a little bit of analysis from my perspective to know for sure, but it sounds like you've probably been in this mortgage for quite a long time. And, you know, the longer a mortgage goes, you know, the more each payment goes towards principal. 
In other words, when you first start off, and like I say, for instance, like a 30-year mortgage or even a 15-year mortgage for that matter, the first few payments or the first number of years, they're front-loaded with the interest, and then the principal gets paid off more and more on the back end. So if you're in the in the last few years of a long mortgage and you've got you know $25,000 left, there's a pretty good chance that very little of that payment is interest, in which case, you know, you have to ask yourself the question, well, if you're really paying more towards your principal, which is your money anyway, and you're going to be you know, paying that over some time, one of the things that comes to mind is inflation. And we start thinking about, well, if you've got a payment today, but you might have that exact same payment five years from now, you know, is it going to feel the same five years from now or is it going to feel a little different? And most people realize that, hey, that's going to feel a little bit different because the cost of living goes up and my dollars today are worth more than what my dollars tomorrow are worth. And so, you know, why would I take that $25,000 out of my account and take some of that most valuable money and then put it against the mortgage when I could be paying with, you know, every you know month that goes by or every year that goes by, you know, I'm paying with dollars that have been eroded away with inflation a little bit, but yet it's all still going towards principal. So, I mean, there's different cases you, that you can make in terms of paying off your house or delaying paying off your house. In essence, I feel like it's like if you've got the money to be able to pay it off and then you choose to pay it off or you choose to pay it off over time, you know, I mean, you're not really in debt per se. You still have some borrowed money, but you're borrowing by choice and you're trying to determine, you know, hey, where's the best place for my money? And, you know, part of the question that I would have for you is, you know, do you want to have access and control over that $25,000? And if you put it into the house, well, now the only way that you can get that money back is one of two things. You either borrow against the house to get it back or you sell the house and then you have the cash, but then you've got to figure out, well, where am I going to live and how much is that going to cost me? So, you know, it's a little bit deeper conversation, as you can tell. But one of the things that I'm always, you know, very aware of and really stressed to folks is that if you're late in a mortgage and you have to really look at how much of that payment is really going to the interest. And most of the time when we're thinking about that, an awful lot of it's going towards principal, which is your own money anyway. Yeah, that's a really good point as well. It's not like when you're in the uh, younger stages of that mortgage and you're writing out big checks and only a, a tiny little bit of that's going off to essentially be back in your pocket. So it's a little bit daunting when you look at it that way, but a little different when you get to later on in the life of the mortgage and of the home. So there you go. Good things to ponder and evaluate. Maybe one of those situations that we uh, kind of, you know, did a hypothetical problem solving today here on the show resonates with you. And if it does, I would encourage you to pick up the phone, give Glenn a call and talk to him about maybe something that's particular to your case, something that's on your mind. You can do that by dialing 336-291-3535. Glenn will take you through the retirement roadmap process to make sure that you are well prepared for your retirement and financial future as well. 336-291-3535 is that number to call. Ask for a free consultation or just ask Glenn a couple of questions that you might have on your mind. You can also go online to Green GreensboroRetirement.com and click on free consultation at the bottom of the page. And that's where you can sign up for a time to meet with Glenn in the office without even having to pick up the phone. You can do it right from your smartphone or computer. That's on GreensboroRetirement.com. Glenn, thanks for walking us through some of these I was wondering questions. And we'll look forward to another great podcast with you next week. Fantastic. Take care, Walter. That's Glenn Mosseller. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time on the Retirement Roadmap. 